I want to speak on the future. I want to speak on the title that I would pick for this message if I was going to pick a message or a title is Straining Forward Brings Great Reward. And it's based upon Philippians chapter 3. It's based, based upon what Paul was speaking to the church in Philippi and he was encouraging them to endure to the end and let nothing from their past deter them from finishing strong. We talked about it in Sunday school today. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Now, isn't that an awesome hope? Because if my future was based upon my start, if your future was based upon your start, you wouldn't have much hope. But it's not based upon your start. Your future is based upon how you end this life, living according to God's Word. And I want to read today. I want to start in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to concentrate on a couple verses at the end, of, or the middle of that passage. But to set the tone, I want to read the first 11 chap verses of Philippians chapter 3, starting at, uh, starting at verse 1. And this is Paul speaking to that church in Philippi. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship this by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow, Paul was a man's man here. If you look at Paul's life, Paul was it. He was a Jew, he was a Pharisee, he was trained, he was educated, he had it all. And he was a persecutor of the church until God reached down to the love of Jesus and turned Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus. Powerful, powerful man. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, just as Matt just talked about, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. Wow. I want. Here's a man that is writing the New Testament, and he says, I want to know Christ. That's his prayer. That's his, that's his whole goal is I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I say all that to focus on the next couple passages, forgetting at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have attained or have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Powerful word. Powerful. Paul is addressing here the mature Christian. And at the same time, he's hitting the mark 
for those that even don't know Christ yet. Okay? He's, he's given hope for the man that doesn't know Christ to don't worry about your past. Because for those that don't know Christ, many of them don't know Christ because they think they're unforgivable. Paul says, rubbish. You are forgivable. So for the man that's struggling with his Christianity today, this message is for you. For the mature Christian, this message is for you. Because as Paul, a mature Christian, he says, Not have I even attained yet, but even more I strive forward for what I want to gain in Christ Jesus. So I don't care what, where you are in your walk today, this is a message of hope for you today. Paul certainly had more to gain. Uh, Paul recognizes that, that he is the man's man of, of Hebrews. I mean, he recognizes, but his humbleness takes over from his pride. His humbleness lifts, lifts up. He recognizes that he, he hasn't arrived, that he doesn't have it all figured out yet, that there's still more for him to learn, that, that he's still on the journey, that he still deals with sin in his life. You don't, you, it's hard to believe that, but Paul still struggles. In another passage, he talks about how much he struggles with the sin of his life. So he doesn't, he hasn't attained, he hasn't arrived. Neither have any of us. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. We still struggle in some areas in our life. But through his constant and diligent work and belief in Christ Jesus, he overcomes. So can we. We can overcome. There's power in understanding who we are in Christ no matter what our past is. No matter what we come from, no matter what our background is, there's power in understanding that Christ Jesus died for me. He died for you. He forgave my sin. He forgave your sin. And now we just have to believe in him and you have to start to walk in that. And that's where Paul's going to talk about now. Here's one thing, though, that I want to stress, I believe, for all of us. And here's the one key thing that Paul had. Even where Paul was at spiritually, Paul still maintained a teachable spirit. Here is the teacher, but yet he was still teachable by the Holy Spirit. He was the man that God was using for the moment, at the hour. He was the man that was writing most of the New Testament. He was writing spirit-led, spirit-filled teaching. He was the teacher, but yet he never got himself out of the mold of being teachable. And if Paul needs to be teachable, then how much more should I be teachable? How much more do I need to keep a teachable spirit in my life? That's why I stress so much that we come under good Bible teaching. I don't have a problem bringing a Matt Chandler into this church or another Bible teacher through some good video presentations of good Bible teaching because I need to be taught. And therefore, you need to be taught. And as we do this, we are then growing in the grace of God. I read a lot of books. You need to read books. You need to get in and read. You need to read the Bible, but you need to read books. You need to get other, other good instruction that people give, and, and that's a teachable spirit. So that's my plug for being teachable. Look forward to the new things in life. Look forward to the way that God could make us new in this congregation. I'm expecting new things. I'm expecting new forms of worship. I'm expecting new ways that we work with people. I'm expecting new things to happen in this church. I don't think this church can move into the future based upon what we've did in the past. I don't think that God has a future plan for this church if all we're going to do is repeat what we've been for 35, 50, 60, 70 years we've been. God wants to do something new in us, and I have to be willing to accept the new things. I want to be teachable, and I want the Lord to instruct me, and I want to be willing to move as he instructs. Amen? And I know that there's a lot of green with me here this morning. This is awesome. What I really like about this passage is that Paul knows three things for certain. 
Three things. <laughs> Three things for certain. <laughs> he knows where he's been. He knows where he's going. And where he's been is not worth remembering compared to where he's going, nor is it worth risking anything about it. Paul knows where he's been. He knows where he's going. And he knows that where he's going is better than where he's been. And that's our church. That's me as a person. That's you as a person. I know where I've been. I know where I'm going to the power of Christ, to the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ. And I know that the future is more for me than my past. That's why I think praise and worship is so important. That's why I don't care how I feel, even if I don't feel like it. That's why I want to praise and worship, because I am, I am th I'm throwing myself ahead. I'm seeing myself advanced in the kingdom of God. I'm seeing myself at the judgment day. And I'm looking at the Lord rewinding my life. And I'm looking at him saying, I gave you so many opportunities to praise and worship me, and why didn't you? Why did you come to a church service or a praise and worship service and sit with your arms crossed and daydreaming and choosing not to? When I gave you opportunity, I do not want to regret that. I do not want to regret the time that God gave me the opportunity to worship him because he is so absolutely awesome and worthy to be praised. So therefore, praise and worship is huge. Praise and worship means get out of the box. Get out of where you've been. If you've never raised your hands, learn to raise your hands. Learn to express yourself to God like you never have before. And it's good for you. You know what's proof of love? When a person loves you, he will tell you the truth. He doesn't tell you what you think you want to hear. <laughs> and my wife tells me the truth a lot. <laughs> She tells me that I don't look good quite often when I dress. And I have a hard time with that. Just the other night, actually, and I say, Chris, it's all an opinion. But her opinion seems to mean more than my opinion. So, Chris, I need to learn that you only love me when you tell me the truth. So I, I'm accepting this in my heart right now, okay? Thank you for loving me. Do I look okay? All right, all right, good. Thank you. All right, let me get back on track. So with this said, with him knowing these three things, he says, number one, forgetting what is behind. Now, do you think he really means forgetting about the past? I mean, can we really forget about the past? Boy, I wish we could, don't you, sometimes? Don't you wish we could really forget the past? I, I, I don't know that we can forget the past. We saw the video that Riley started off with this morning about what goes into the eye. Man, what goes into your eyes, you, you just don't forget. It's, it's implanted in your brain. I mean, it's an amazing piece of, 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 of machinery that our body is and how what goes into the eye gets planted in the mind and how it, it becomes who we are, unfortunately. Forgetting the past. It takes work to forget the past. But you must. If you're going to go to the future, you have to forget your past because your past will only drag you down. Either, what, either if your past is good or bad. You can't live in the past either way. I can be a great athlete in my past. Can be. A great athlete in my past. And here's the thing. The, 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 the further on it goes, in my mind, the better athlete I was. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just amazing how that plays out. I'm glad they didn't have video cameras then because um, when I was an athlete, I thought I was pretty good. And, and in my mind, I was awesome. But if they had a videotape of really what I was, 
I probably would be very disappointed. So I, I just like living in my mind how great I was. All right? But the problem is, if I stay there, if I dwell on that, how productive is that? So get out of the past, move on, consider what we need to do to move on to the future. Now, part of the past is, is really geared upon forgiveness. Forgiveness. Man, we have a lot of problems sometimes with forgiveness of the past in two areas. Forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. Now, I want to talk about forgiving others just for just a minute because we can have past offenses and, and we can hold grudges and we can have a, a spirit of non-forgiveness with others. But I'll tell you, when, when we do that, when we have old trespasses that we just hold on to and we will not give up, what that is is a noose around your neck. It is choking the life out of you. It's choking the life out of me. When I hold on, when I purposely choose to hold on to those past offenses, every time I think about it and I'm not giving it up, I'm just pulling that noose a little tighter, a little tighter, a little tighter, and the life is being sucked out of me. That's how dangerous it is that we do that. Picking up an offense and choosing to hold on to it is a choice, by the way. It is a choice. I choose or not choose to pick up that offense. I choose to lay it down. I choose to move past it. I may need help. I may need counseling. You may need spiritual counseling to do that, but get it. Don't, don't excuse it. Get it. It's important. Because if we don't, if we don't forgive others, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 tells us, For if you, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's read the Bible for what it says, folks. Let's not read the Bible for what we think it says. Let's not read the Bible for what we want it to say. Let's read the Bible for what it says. Pretty clear here, right? We need to forgive people. So let's, I know we've talked about that quite a bit in the past, but just let me say this, and then we're going to move on to another thing. But um, consider the future based on that person that hurt you or the thing that hurt you, and ask yourself this question, all right? Consider the person that hurt you or the situation that hurt you and ask yourself that this question. Is that person or that problem so important in your life that you're willing to risk your future over them? If you see the future as more valuable than a than person of the past event, then decide today to forgive them and forget the issue so that nothing risks your future, which is far more valuable than your past. Rather, strive to forgive them and save both yourself and them. Let's not hold on to grudges for the sake of holding on to grudges. Let's learn how to forgive. Let's learn how to learn from our mistakes. Let's not go back and repeat the same ones, but let's learn to forgive. Number two, forgive yourself. I think this can be more difficult than forgiving others, quite honestly. I think forgiving yourself is a key to the passage of what Paul's talking about and really a key to the, to the, to the Scriptures is forgiving yourselves. The things you've done wrong, no matter how bad, are all forgivable by God. There is nothing that you've done or can do that God won't forgive if you have a heart of forgiveness. If you have a desire to be forgiven, there's nothing. Did you hear me? Nothing that God can't forgive. 
So forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Uh, Jesus came to forgive people. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, um, in the uh, contemporary English version, it talks about Jesus coming for help for sick people, not healthy people. Some of the teachers of the law of Moses were Pharisees, and they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. So they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is Jesus associating with those of ill repute? And Jesus heard them, and he answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to invite good people to be my followers. I came to invite sinners. Hope. Hope for all of us. He came to invite me because I'm a sinner. I was a sinner. I still have the capacity to sin. I still have the capacity. I still have the, the power was still within me to walk away. But he came to dwell with me as a sinner. He came to dwell with you as a sinner. And then he changes us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So which one would you be this morning? Would you be one of the Pharisees asking the questions? Or would you be one of the sinners that Jesus is eating with? Interesting question, isn't it? I hope we would be one of the ones that Jesus would be eating with. Amen. So how does Paul look at the future? All right? We've talked about the past. We have to let go of the past. We have to forgive. We have to forget. Forgive others. Forgive ourselves. Very important that we forgive people and ourselves. Utmost of importance. Okay? But how does Paul look at the future? To move into the future, Paul says that he is forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Straining. What does the word straining mean to you? Straining means what? Help me. Effort. Every ounce of his energy takes work to strain. If a person is straining forward, what, what do you, what's that mental picture you see? I see, in my mind a team of workhorses, big Clydesdales, that are pulling a heavy load. And, and I see them under the yoke, together straining forward. And I see their muscles rippling. And I see, I see the, the sweat coming off their bodies. And I see every step to be hard, hard work. But they're moving that sled. And they're moving the, the load that they're pulling. And they're straining forward. This is not easy. Straining is not a walk in the park. And it takes that sometimes, doesn't it, to get away from our past. It takes that. And Paul sees that, that the future is something worth working very hard to gain. That it's worth it to, walk to, your, to, to move to your future and for, move away from your past. You know, a, a spaceship, when a spaceship blasts off from Earth, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, tons of force. And then it gets in orbit. All right, and it's circling the Earth, and, it, and, and at that point, there's no energy required. Once it gets up in orbit, it gets 100 or so miles out, away from the Earth, and it's just set in motion, and it's in outer space, and there's no friction, and the spaceship is traveling at 17,000 miles per hour or something of that nature, and it can stay in orbit like that for a long time. But now, when we had the moon shots, do you remember when we were sending men to the moon? What they had to do is to, they had to whip, uh, whiplash or, 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 or sling the, the, the ship, it would come around the world, come around the earth, and when it was getting aimed to the earth or to the moon, it would then have to boost energy again, turn out its rockets to break itself out of orbit, to shoot itself to the moon. 
So it, it would go swinging around the earth to get a good whiplash going, or whatever that word's called. And what's that? Slingshot. That's what I was looking for. Thanks, Jason. I knew somebody was following me there. Pray, I'm paying attention. Thanks. It slingshot around the earth, and then it turned the rocket engines on, and it would boost off and then head to the, head to the moon. It took effort. It took work to break out of the orbit. For many of us, we get in the orbit of our past. And we think that it's more comfortable to be there. It takes less work to be there. And what would ultimately happen to that, sh- to that satellite or that ship, the orbit isn't forever. Eventually it spins back to Earth and it burns up. It- it's orbiting, but if it doesn't use energy to stay in orbit, eventually it will come in and it will come in Earth's atmosphere and burn. So us, in our same way, if we are so comfortable in our past that it's too hard to get out to the future, we'll spin in our own little circle of our past and eventually we're going to come in and we're going to crash and burn. We're going to crash and burn if we don't get out of our, our, our past. It takes work. It takes effort. Paul says, I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. It takes an extra effort to do that. And it's worth it. It's worth it that we do that. See, the future is unknown to us. And we often fear the future. We fear it because we don't know what's there. We take Jesus out of the future. When we recognize that Jesus was part of our past, right? He was part of our past. He's part of our present. He's also part of our future. And when I start to fear my future, what I'm really doing is I'm taking Jesus out of my future. I'm not trusting him anymore to be the God of my future. Therefore, I'm I'm afraid. And I get tight, and I get up, I get up tight over that. And we worry, and, and we stress our way to health-related issues because we're afraid of our future. We don't trust God to be there for us. We take Jesus out of us, and all of a sudden we're stressing out, and we're getting more problems because I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm creating a stressed life. Rather than me waiting and trusting Jesus to be there for me, take it a day at a time. Know he's going to plan it out for me. And when we understand that he has our future, he has us already figured out. Revelations chapter 21, verses 6 through 7, and he, he, it says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So if I'm following Jesus then don't worry about the future because he's giving you the future. You will inherit eternal life. You will in, he will bless you. He will give you the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He'll provide for us freely and abundantly. Do you want what God's got best for you in your life? Do you want that? Do I want that? Amen. I do too. Yes, I want that. So how am I going to get that? I have to be willing to give up my past. I have to be willing to give up everything that I have in order to do that. You know, and I have a little example here I want to show you. And, uh, you know, recognize that we all have a set amount of time to be on earth. Uh, my time's different than your time, but we all have a set amount of time. Now, how I choose to spend that time is vitally important. Absolutely the most important thing is how we belong to be a good steward, like Drew talked about in the offering. How I choose to spend my life to be the steward of my life. 
I was thinking about that a little bit this week, and this example came to me as a way that I could uh, maybe give that a little bit more remembrance to you. So I have a helper that's going to come with me right now, and Ellie's going to help me with this little example. And uh, what this example is, is, see, I understand the devil always works in partial truths, all right? Always works in partial truths. Here we have an example of Ellie and I. <laughs> this is gross, but this is the well, way you will never forget this. This is for you. This is, uh, this is for you. Come on up here. This is for you. Ellie and I are going to brush our teeth. I'm going to brush mine, and she's going to brush hers. All right? Get the gum out of my mouth first. All right. Now, the dentist says that you brush your teeth and you will not have cavities and you will have a clean mouth, right? And so Ellie's going to brush her teeth and I'm going to brush my teeth and uh, we'll talk. Ready? Oh, you need toothpaste. All right. All right, did you get that? All right, good. This is good toothpaste, by the way. It was sensitive for a good enamel. So, yeah, I took your toothpaste this morning. All right, I brushed my teeth. Where is it at? Now, here the situation is this, is that, did I brush my teeth? I'm going to go to the dentist. Ellie and I are going to go to the dentist in six months. We're going to go to the same, the same dentist, and I'm going to go in, and because I'm sucking on this sucker, and because I didn't do a really good job brushing my teeth, I'm probably going to have cavities. But I brushed my teeth. The dentist said, Mike, did you brush? Yeah, I brushed my teeth. See how, how quickly I brushed my teeth? Did I really do the job that I was supposed to do? Did I brush all my teeth? Now, look at Ellie. You're done? Okay. Ellie brushed her teeth much better than I did, right? I mean, she got way back in her molars. I saw her going back there, and, and she got a lot of, you know, didn't have a lot of foam, but she was effective in brushing her teeth. And she cleaned her teeth. She got the junk out of her teeth, all right? So, thanks, Ellie, for doing that. Now you can have a nice breath. But the point of that is this, is that we go through life doing what we think we need to do, but maybe not for the right reason. See, I didn't really effectively brush my teeth, even though I can say I did. Even though I, I'm not lying, I brushed my teeth. And you saw it. But... When I go to the dentist and he says, Mike, you have cavities, and I'm going to say, well, wait, I shouldn't have cavities because I brushed my teeth. Well, I didn't have to tell him I took a sucker right afterwards and put all the sugar back in my teeth and all that stuff and, and, and all that stuff. And so what that means is consequences come with our actions. Just because I brushed my teeth, if I didn't get, if I didn't do a good job, if I didn't do a thorough job, I didn't do what the instructions told me to do. I did it my way. I did it the quick way. But I came to church. But, but God, I did all this. 
But God, I, I, I taught Sunday school class. But God, I, I witnessed the people. But see, if I don't do it clearly the way his instruction says, the Bible says, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if you love me, you'll do what I say. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says it this way. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, but I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's like me going to Dr. Blas and saying, hey, man, I brushed my teeth, but I really didn't brush my teeth. I put the toothbrush in. I put the toothpaste on. I, I, I did a little bit. I spit out the water. I spit it out, and I didn't do the job. Who loses there, Dr. Blas or me? Yeah, in fact, Dr. Blas wins because he gets to get paid for a cavity to get filled. He can make another car payment, whereas I have to suffer the consequences of bad teeth. See, and that's what's going to happen to many people if we don't pay attention to the Word. We've been given the Word of God. We've been given the instruction set. We've been given the manual. Are we reading it for what it says, and are we really telling the truth to ourselves? Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In the same way, if, uh, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Hard, hard truths. I tell you the truth in Luke 18, 29 and 30. Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will, fall, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. If we give up, he will give back. What God gives us freely is something that we can't earn, but yet it costs us everything we have. He gives us freely things that I can't earn. I can't earn salvation it's a free gift to me, but it's going to cost me everything that I am. It's going to cost me something. And the, the, the religion of today is too easy to say, believe in Jesus and, and life is good, without reading the Word, without understanding that there is going to cost to it. There is, a, there is a sacrifice of my life. But when I do that, and when I give it up freely to God, He gives back freely eternal life to me. Author John Bevere states this in his book, Driven by Eternity. It's an awesome book. I'm in the process of it right now. It's just really, really good. He says this. He says, If you love God, you will have no trouble keeping His commandments. If serving God is an obligation, you have entered into a legalistic relationship, and it will be hard to keep His commandments. We should not serve God to earn His approval. We should serve God because we are in love with Him. That word love. It's an amazing concept. When I love God, when I love people, I want to please people. When I love God, I want to please God. The good news of the gospel is that God owns my future and everything in it. I don't have to stress over that. I just need to give up everything that I have, everything that I would want to do to control my future. I just need to be able to give him my future. He loves me enough to take care of my future. I just need to trust him enough with it. I need to keep him in it. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So many promises of God when we serve him, when we give to him. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Then here is the key verses, 28 and 31. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, we have so many promises of our future if we will only abide in his love. Abide in his commandments. Abide by what he says for us to do. If we can understand that, if we can get that into our spirit, then praise and worship comes easily. Obedience comes easily. Living a righteous life comes easily because I'm not doing it out of sense of legalistic obligation. I'm doing it out of sense of love. See, this, this is a, a positive word, but it's also a word of encouraging us to work hard. Change that is positive takes work. It takes an effort and a conscious choice. Making changes that are improvements don't happen by themselves. They don't happen by themselves. They take work and a decision. Nobody falls into Christianity. Nobody will automatically be a good person when their natural man is evil. It takes a conscious choice to move from evil to good. You just can't stay in your evil nature and all of a sudden be good. Think of it this way. If God isn't pleased with what you're doing today, why do you think he'll be pleased in it when you are in judgment day? If God isn't applauding you today, if he's not saying, you, Mike, you're doing a good job today, if he's not saying that, why do you think he's going to applaud me on the day of judgment? See, I need to be walking today in his obedience. He needs to be applauding me today for my effort. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not earning my salvation when I say that. My salvation was given to me on the cross. I've received that, but now I live day after day after day. Now I have responsibility to continue to live my life sold out to Jesus so that then I will earn his rewards, not earn my salvation. But if God's not pleased with me in what I'm doing today, why would he be pleased with me come judgment day? Think about that. Think about that in your life. If you're not doing the things that are pleasing to him and you know it, then Shouldn't that give you a little bit of fear of God to change? Shouldn't that put us a little bit of a fear in us to say, God, if I'm doing things right now that are disobedient to you, why in the world do I think you're going to change your mind when I die? Why do you think you would? No, he's, he, he needs to be pleased with you today. And he can be pleased with you today. As you put your trust and faith in him, as you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to live, as you repent of your sin on a daily basis. Daily basis. As we conclude this morning, Jackie, if you'd come, please. And, and uh, 
Let me just ask you the question this morning. Where, where are you? Where am I? Can I read this passage and can you read this passage that Paul said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can I really say that? Can you really say that this morning? That you're pressing on? That you're leaving your past? That you're leaving it in hand, God's hands? That you're willing to ask for forgiveness of your sins? daily, whether you are an old Christian or not even a Christian, it doesn't make any difference. What changes do I need help with this morning to make this happen in my life? What changes do you need to make in your life today that helps you to live that in your life? And understand that even as Paul was writing this, he preceded this by saying that he wasn't perfect and that he hadn't arrived. He said that not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of what of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, Paul said, I still have to come before the throne of God just like I just like you do. I, I have to come. Paul said I have to come before the throne of God daily. I have to slay myself daily. He's keeping his life accountable to godly standards. And so if Paul's doing that, then I must as well. And you must as well. Listen, I love you folks. I love you. I love me. (laughs) And I'm telling myself the same thing I'm telling you. And love will speak the truth of God's word and nothing less. And if I let, if I didn't speak truth, then then I don't love you. If I don't speak truth to myself, then I don't love myself. So this morning, I'm asking all of us this morning, where are you in this level of commitment? Where are you in this level of effort? Are you holding on to grudges? Are you holding on to past sins? Are you holding on to people that you won't forgive? Are you holding yourself captive? Would you close your eyes with me? And just ask yourself these questions and do a little soul searching right now. And say, and, and just really, really be honest with yourself. Really be honest with yourself. Don't, don't think what you want to think. Let the Holy Spirit come in and really, really ask you the questions. Who am I? What am I? Oh, Jesus. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's be any wicked or any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Keep your heads bowed with me. And, and this morning, if you've never received Jesus in your life, if you've never taken the time to say, Jesus, I need to ask you to forgive me of my sin, this is a great time to do it. This is a time of love and a time of mercy and compassion. If you're struggling this morning, if you're feeling a little flutter in your stomach, if you're fluttering, if you're feeling a little nervousness inside you, understand what that is. That is the call of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit saying, I love you, and I need you to do something now. I need you to respond now. So if you haven't asked Jesus in your heart ever, or it's been a long time, or you need to do it again, all eyes are closed. 
This is so serious, folks. This is the most serious time you could ever come before. I ask you in the name of Jesus, if you need to accept Jesus, would you just lift up your hand and just say, yes, I need to accept Jesus in my life. If you're struggling with this, understand what's going on. There's a warfare going on. There's a battle going on right now. There's a battle going on in somebody's lives. There's a battle that's for your eternity. If you're an older Christian here this morning, maybe you need to say, I need to make a new commitment to stand with Paul this morning and recommit myself to pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Where are you this morning, older Christian? I've asked myself these questions as well. Let me ask you, if you are feeling like you need to or want to make a commitment to the Lord today to say, God, I am going to commit today on to be like Paul and to press on to the future, would you raise your hand and just show the Lord your commitment, your willingness to be a commitment? I see those hands. That's where, amen. My hand is up. Amen, Father. I just want to do those things. I am not afraid, God, to make a commitment to you. I am not afraid to step up and make a commitment to you because I know that if I'm not willing to make that commitment to you right now while I have a chance to change, then if I don't, if I wait till judgment day, it's too late. So if you would stand with me, please. And we're going to sing the song that Jackie's playing. And I just want to invite you this morning to remake that commitment in your life. I, I don't want to rush through this time because this is vitally important. And I want to give people an opportunity to come to the forward and pray and to seek God and to say, God, I want this new commitment. I want to live it out in my life, and I don't want anything to risk it. I don't want to put anything in my past to risk my future. I want to strain toward the future. I want to press on. If you feel that way this morning, as we're singing, just express yourself to God in the way that you can so that, so that you know that he's pleased. Amen. Jackie, let's sing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm giving you my heart And all it is within I lay it all down For the sake of you, my King I'm giving you my dreams I'm laying down my rights I'm giving up my pride For the promise of new And I surrender all to you, all to you, and I.
Father, I just love you, Jesus. And as I sing the song and I, and I listen to the words, God, what a sense of hope. What a sense of gratitude. What a sense of freedom I feel in my spirit when I know that I'm doing this. And I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to do this in my life. God, the hope of eternity is such a blessing to us that, that know the truth and are willing to walk in it. So, God, I pray right now for everyone here this morning that raised their hands. I pray your blessing in their life. I pray, God, that you would bring them into a completeness. God, a commitment of, of no regret, never going back, never looking backwards, never falling back into our old lazy ways of doing things the easy way, which in all honesty is the painful way, the way of crashing and burning. So, God, I pray that you would just give us that urgency that Paul had to press in, to press on, straining for the future, pressing into what God has for us. And I pray, God, that you would bring this message back repeatedly in our heart, in our life. And, Lord, I pray that you would just indelibly put on in our hearts and minds the, the, the urgency of knowing how important it is that we obey the truth. And we don't let the enemy come in and subtly sway us to living our own version of Christianity that would be wrong, that would be risking life. I pray. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Go with us today, I pray. Give us a blessing, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.